Thank you, Nikos. Ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, good afternoon. My personal thanks to Mr. and Mrs. Bornozis for their kind invitation to talk today about the subject, our regulations addressing the real problems of shipping. It is a pleasure of mine to be here and certainly an honor for me. I will not subscribe to various conspiracy theories that the regulators are anti-shipping, etc. I believe that their intentions are generally good. The regulators, though, being one way or another politicians, have their ears tuned more to the public and the environmental bodies than the shipping sector. I have repeatedly said that the problem of ocean-going shipping, to differentiate it from uh, passenger shipping, is that it is an industry consisting mostly of countries with light political weight than other industries. Therefore, the problem starts from there. We do not have their attention and certainly their support. I take this opportunity to reply to criticism that our public image is not good because our public relations are inadequate. I share it up to a point, though. The problem is that shipping makes the news only when accidents happen, and then, by default, the image is not good. To make the front page of non-shipping newspapers is almost impossible if you are not involved in an accident. The impressive contribution of shipping to the standards of living of our societies is taken for granted and, regrettably, is not the subject of media coverage. The two major conventions, Marpol and Solas, have made tremendous impact for the improvement on ship operations and the safety of ships, crews, cargos, and the environment. There are many good, useful, and practical regulations, and regrettably, some of them are not enforced. As Intercargo, we have been pressing IMO, the International Maritime Organization, either directly or indirectly through the media to ensure the implementation of regulations related, for example, to port reception facilities for hazardous cargo residuals and to come up with regulation to address the liquefaction of nickel ore, as a result of which many ships and crews have been lost. Very recently, by a press release produced by Intercargo, we asked IMO to name and shame the countries which do not implement them. We have also been urging IMO to put pressure on the regional MOUs to establish self-assessment departments in order to address port state control corruption. Although so far we have been unsuccessful, we insist that at some stage, we will achieve it. There is, though, the other side, regulations which are made because of public pressure from environmental groups and NGOs. Regrettably, with the exception of a few, most of those entities try to justify their existence 
by making noise without any effort to talk to the industries, to the industry, in order to educate themselves and be constructive. We all would benefit, we all could benefit had it been the case. The Ballast Water Management Treaty has been performing poorly because technology is not there as yet and the ships have been forced to be the experimental entities. You remember the treaty was decided in 2004, ratified 2017, and as yet it has not reached the desired result. The Low Sulfur Fuel Treaty will be most probably the most severe regulation to affect ships over the recent decades. Has there been any consultation with the shipping sector before it, it was voted? No. There is, though, an effort now to address the practical problems which will inevitably happen due to its enforcement on the 1st of January 2020, far too late. I'm sorry I could not answer the question set by the subject of this presentation with either a yes or no. It has been a mixed result. Concluding, I want to urge all participants of ocean-going shipping to act and enforce the shipping bodies such as Intercargo and their, their national associations and to try to educate their country's politicians, regulators and representatives at various fora about the modus operandi of ocean-going shipping. If they do so, they will be able to come up with quality and practical regulations which will be mostly welcomed by the shipping sector. Ballast water management and low sulfur, sulfur fuel, although of major impact, are not the end of the road. Be prepared for more regulations, mostly environmental ones, which are presently under consideration, and be alert. Thank you very much for your attention. You mentioned, you mentioned that uh, the shipping industry hasn't been informed about the introduction of, of the low sulfur regulation. Is it, uh, don't you agree that it's better to say that it's the oil companies, the refining component that had to be consulted first? I guess we have all day to talk about it. Um, you see, we used the example, uh, and actually when I was talking to the Secretary General of IMO, a very respectable uh, person, that when we look at the shore-based industries and the governments want to put uh, uh, limitations, let's say, on the emissions of cars, they go and talk and impose the burden on the car manufacturers, not on the car owners. What happened with shipping is quite the opposite. They went to the owners, the ship owners, the ships, and asked them to comply with actually talking, without actually talking to the shipyards, to the engine manufacturers, to the banker suppliers. So it's not only the refineries that should have been involved in the question. It was, what was missing, to my opinion, was the political will of the governments to really address the problem. Because 
uh, we all know that the refineries exist in countries, so they are subjected to the regulations of their respective uh, government. So they could have been obliged to come up with some proper fuel. And instead, the government said, go and as of the 1st of January 2020, uh, uh, burn the low sulfur fuel. And when asked, where can I find it? They said, really, we don't know. So it's totally illogical, not because the regulations are coming from illogical people, it's because they want to put the pressure off them by the environmental groups. But the environmental groups do not operate ships. They don't charter ships. So that's what is missing from our industry, that we are subjected to very regulations which are not practical. Had there been regulations practical and meaningful, we would be the first ones to comply with because we operate in a hugely competitive environment, full stop. Any questions before I go? Please. Back in 2004, the Ballast Water uh, Treatment Convention was uh, based on an academic research uh, that about the fish at that time, the, the fish, uh, the fish um, problem of uh, transportation worldwide. Uh, this by today, uh, 2018, has changed by another academic research saying that uh, by 2050, there will be more plastics than fish in the sea. Don't you think that as an argument, uh, the shipping industry should uh, raise that uh, you have by those systems killed the fish uh, uh, with uh, a lot of chemicals uh, and just uh, support academic research to stop the plastics? I, I, I mean that you could uh, counter-argue uh, those uh, conventions by supporting NGOs at the end. Certainly plastics in the um, sea environment is a huge subject and uh, uh, the, the, all the societies have to address it, not only the shipping sector, everybody, as you know, uh, reportedly something 90% of the plastics at sea come from shore-based uh, entities and not from the ships. Uh, uh, it was not really the, uh, the spirit in 2004 when the treaty was under consideration to kill the fish, it was more uh, to stop the transportation of uh, local bacteria from one place to another, and those ones could change the balance uh, of the environment. Certainly, but there was logic, to my opinion, about it. Of course, through all the years, we had transported the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean and vice versa, but it doesn't matter. Um, no, we, we don't object to the, to the treaty, but when you come to have problems, when you uh, you, you have a system today, some 14 years later, after it was, uh, the treaty was first decided, uh, you, you come and ask yourself, what was the technology at the time and where did they base their uh, decision? And this, this is a distinct example, actually, how they miss reality when they come up with regulations. Other one? Thank you.